got to make decisions and you can't take too long. But you're also not wed to them. You've got you to make sure that they're right. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here is your host, Chantal Nash, Digital Learning and Engagement Manager from the team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. We are here on another episode of the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, and today we have a, a leader in residence at the Crotonville campus. It's been a while, but this week we have Danielle Murfeld uh, at Crotonville who is the VP and Chief Technology Officer for GE Renewable Energy. And essentially, she leads technical efforts to develop differentiated products and services across the broadest renewable energy portfolio in the industry. So this includes things like onshore wind, offshore wind, solar, batteries, hydro. And she's also a co-leader of the GE Women's Network, among many other things. So Danielle, it's really a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule on campus to talk with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So uh, that job description sounds very interesting uh, for people who may <laughs> <laughs> for people who may not really know what that means. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you do. So I have probably one of the most fun jobs in energy and one of the most fun jobs in GE. Um, this is a sector that's transforming and there's a lot of cool technology being implemented in, um, especially in the wind space, but generally our energy systems. So it's about um, reducing the cost of renewable energy, reducing the need for maintenance, um, and improving clean, green, accessible, you know, full-time renewable energy. And it's, it's an exciting mission to be on with the team, and there's a lot of great technology opportunities. So we, we get to bring it to life. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of change going on in this space. And just to give an idea, usually you'll talk about, res with respect to kind of what you're doing, Things like digital platforms, energy transformation, like you mentioned, the future of renewable energy. There's so much going on in this space that's changing. So what what are kinds of the things that you focus on in terms of, of that? Yeah, well, you know, if you just zoom out, you realize you look around, you know, the whole world is changing. And it, sure. it, frankly, it always it always has been changing. But because most of the pace of our change is on an exponential trend, mm -hmm. it's feeling, you know, the pace of change is never greater than it is right now. And it will always be faster from now on. And so in everything from transportation to healthcare to energy, where I focus, we're seeing radically different solutions come in and disrupt the markets, disrupt, you know, ways that we've done things. Um, you know, whether it's more shared transportation or more electric or life sciences and healthcare. And in my space and energy, it's about, you know, what happens when things can be more distributed or when we don't need conventional fossil fuels. So, you know, that's the, that's the general trend that everybody is grappling with. But then zoom in and you're in one of these industries and you're talking about a wind turbine. And now you've got a whole nother level of innovation. What if your wind blades can be come in pieces and you put them together in the field? Mm. What if you're not limited by the size? What if you can build an offshore wind turbine that's almost as tall as the Eiffel Tower and you put hundreds of them out there? Yeah. You know, these are huge new breakthroughs, even within these transforming industries. So what does it take then to kind of navigate this kind of change? I mean, those are huge, huge areas to focus on. I imagine that that also requires some change in the way you actually do your work. Oh, absolutely. In fact, this is maybe why it is so fun, because it requires everybody from the leaders to the you know, blue collar workers in the factories to really exercise their agility, their mindset and how they approach the job. Because, you know, we all come with a certain 
perspective on how we do things or what we're good at. And, you know, just think about a common balance between an experienced, confident, practiced person in a field and then maybe a more a new, curious, enthusiastic, flexible perspective that maybe has a little bit of ignorance and just enough to think about things that have been tried before and failed, but maybe now is the right time to try it. We've got to be able to hold both of those realities in our head to do the right thing. And to we've got to bring them out in our teams. We've got to have these very contrasting approaches alive at the same time. And that's maybe the most exciting and the most challenging thing about making progress in this space is it's really nonlinear and it's you've got to have experience and you've got to have intuition, but you can't be so invested in the way things used to be done that you can't think new. Well, and you bring up a good point with that too, because I know a lot of times when we're talking about things like energy, especially in areas of the United States for sure, but possibly other countries uh, where there's a lot of jobs that are dependent on the the current and and largely the past way that energy has been produced, right? So mm-hmm. how do you, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that kind of thing and the job situation, the jobs that renewable energy creates and how people can maybe prepare for that? Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you asked that because that's probably one of the areas that we just don't talk enough about in these transforming sectors. It's it's easy to think about the jobs that are displaced, you know, the very um, long-term historic roles that have been played in our society by people, anything from mining coal to, you know, building things in factories that now we either use different fuel or have robots and automation taking over. What we don't talk enough about is the jobs that are created mm-hmm. and the new opportunities. In fact, in the United States, the number one growing job sector is renewables. The number one job is solar installer. The number two job is wind field engineer. Mm. And there are more people working in the renewable sector than work in the entire coal sector. Wow. But if you were to if you were to go to a typical town, or especially in the coal world, they maybe wouldn't expect that that's reality. But in reality, that's the way it is. And I think when you see these transforming sectors, it's so, it happens so quickly. And frankly, there's so much initial hype about it before the real numbers come in that people start believing that it's all hype. When you step back, even just a decade into this transformation, you see that it's real and it's big and there's a lot of jobs being created and there's a lot of value being created in companies that were known, were really not named brands. They really not, when companies like GE that are moving into this are coming in from a depth in this space, but there are businesses and capabilities that are growing up out of nowhere that still don't have name recognition or don't have, you know, the general population awareness, but they're impactful. Yeah. And so speaking of the company, uh, you know, as people think about preparing and the opportunities for the future, what are the types of changes that we as a company or that other companies in the space might have to think about? Yeah. So, you know, GE is in a really interesting position um, in a lot of these transformations because we've been around for over 100 years and we've got depth and capability. And I mentioned a moment ago about how individually we have to be agile and switch our mindset. We have to do that sort of at a company level, too. We have to hold on to the strengths and the institutions of how do you really test a new capability? How do you make sure you're supporting and supplying safe and reliable and consistent quality to the market at the same time doing things completely differently, selling completely new things? So we as a company have to be agile in how we deliver solutions as well. So I think it gives us an advantage because we know how to drive um, the right testing and validation approaches. 
And we know that regulation is important and how to bring policymakers and regulators along on the journey with us. So we've got that big institutional capability, but we can't be afraid to work with little guys. We can't be afraid to take ideas that sound crazy and try them out or invest and co-invest with governments and partners to go faster because time is not our friend here. You know, the world is moving so fast. We can never go fast enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So we asked a couple of folks inside of the organization, actually, as to what they might want to ask you. And one of the questions we got back is, which is the one digitalization initiative that excites you the most? So as we look at all of these changes and the speed of change, what are you most excited about for the future? Yeah, so that's a hard one to answer because there's so many things that (laughs) are very easy to get excited (laughs) about. But I would pick one and say, um, you know, we have seen that in almost every system that we that we sell, everything we build, there is the control system, which is essentially the brains of that system, is really a big opportunity for improvement. And, you know, essentially you can make your system smarter, you can inject new learning, you can create a smarter, better system, even a decade after you sold it and after it's been out in the field. And that is in the that is done by um, essentially creating more smarts, more more computational capability, better analytics not just in the cloud, but at the edge. And it's called edge controls or edge computing. Mm. So the digitalization initiative there is making our machine smarter by giving more capability at the site of the machine. And that's only possible because costs of computing and power of computing is, is improving so fast that we can effectively increase the IQ of our assets. And just like with our iPhone, you know, you, you buy a phone and it's got a certain worth to you, but it increases in worth as you add customized applications. It becomes more functional to you over time. We are used to thinking of selling an asset and it degrades in value over time. Yeah. It wears out. It needs help, needs service. What if we thought about putting out assets that get more valuable over time because we can download new apps and operate it more efficiently and improve what it does and even change what it does over time? That is the most exciting thing to me right now. So this is almost like thinking of if you think about cars and what Tesla, you know, introduced into the car industry with being able to update your car via software. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, on a, on a very <laughs> much yeah. larger scale. Sure. And what people don't realize, and maybe many people do after Teslas are becoming more popular, is they had to think through that in the design and the fundamental platform of that vehicle, mm-hmm. because they can't later decide, oh, I wish we would have put in this capability so that we could download this thing. That's part of the architecture of that design. And it takes a little longer and it costs a little more to bake that in. But the opportunities are limitless once you have it. So that's really, I would say, something that we're doing across many platforms of GE is designing that platform into our core products so that later we don't have to wish we had it. It will be there for us to build off of. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I also want to mention that you were just very, very recently announced as Woman of the Year for the first annual Cleany Awards. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, and just for our audience, so the Cleany Awards are a comprehensive awards program exclusive to the clean tech industry, and it recognizes and creates visibility for business leadership, innovation, excellence, and breakthrough achievements. So, Danielle, you were recognized for your leadership, innovation, and mentorship in this space. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you do in terms of kind of spreading the word and inspiring others in, in this industry. 
Great. Well, and so I would say just before I comment on that, it's always a little bit embarrassing to be called out and to be recognized. But the one thing that I have realized through this process of, you know, growing my career in, in technology, especially as a woman in technology, mm-hmm. is that it's not so much for me. I mean, this is a great recognition so that women in the space feel that there's a path and a recognition opportunity for the work that they do and the great work that's going on in the space, um, not just for my award, woman and woman of the year, but for all this, all the work being done in the clean tech space. I think this is a great way to, you know, really juice up this, the, um, the folks and the companies that are devoting so much of their time and talent to the space. So that being said, um, the types of things I do, and these are all part of really, I think what great GE leaders I've learned from have, have taught me is how to give back to your community and how to just learn from the teams by helping provide mentorship and guidance. I'm a co-leader of our GE Women's Network, which has anywhere from 50 to 70,000, depending on which statistic you read, women involved globally, um, just to support careers and development and um, balancing all the playing field for women in the company. And we do a lot in the industry, you know, in our communities and in the industries that we work in. Um, I love mentoring because I think I learn just as much as the as the people that I mentor, both men and women. Um, and I think this this award was a great way for me to highlight the reasons why I love what I do and get more people excited about clean tech and specifically renewable energy. So it's been a really fun last couple of weeks as this award came out and I got a chance to talk about it and thank people for the recognition. Definitely. I mean, I have to say, just even from talking to you in this short time, I feel really interested. Like, I want to go and work in renewable energy. <laughs> Good. Come on. It's fun. <laughs> it, do- it, it does. It sounds really, really fun, really rewarding, really purposeful. Uh, it's it's very interesting. And I also, I'll, I'll put some links in our show notes for everybody listening, uh, because Danielle has also been a part of the ongoing Ad Council's She Can STEM campaign. So this, of course, is related to making STEM fields feel achievable and uh, accessible to girls by showing them, you know, if you if you see it, you can be it. So showing girls that there are actually women in these in these spaces doing the exact things that Danielle is doing. So she has some really cool clips from that campaign that we'll make sure to link to in our show notes. Those are those are really great videos. So you've been on campus, you've been talking Mm -hmm. to uh, a lot of our students who are doing courses on our Crotonville Leadership Development Campus. What are some of the things that maybe you're hearing from those folks, some of the key messages or things you're taking away as you talk to the people that are on campus about this? Yeah. So first of all, it has been a fantastic week. I've heard from other prior leaders and residents about how fun it is and how engaging and how much they take away. And I, I knew that coming in, but just being, you know, experiencing it firsthand is still a very impactful kind of approach. And I would say the most interesting thing I found as I'm talking to classes of, you know, early career and more established leaders, because there's four major classes going on this week that I get to engage with, is I'm surprised at the fact that given that the company is going through a pretty turbulent time in terms of our outlook and our future and some of the industries that we're competing in being so competitive and us really kind of coming at this in a new perspective, I've been pleasantly surprised by the optimism and the energy and the sort of go get it attitude of so many of the people here. They're not um, certainly not blind to the challenges. And I think they're rising to the challenge in a really positive way. And there's fantastic questions about decisions that we're making. And there's a lot of interest in renewable energy. I'm trying to get as many people as possible to come on board with us. But um, we're sharing stories about advances in healthcare and life sciences 
what's happening in transportation and oil and gas. So I just think it's been a fantastic learning experience for me. And I can see that these um, talented people who are here for the week are definitely learning from each other as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's really great. Maybe if we take a step back, I don't know if this is something that um, you necessarily focus on as you're sharing, you know, some of the specific things around your your career and your initiatives right now in renewable energy. But if we take a step back, what led you to this kind of role? I mean, what were you doing before this? What what has kind of your trajectory been? I was trained as an electrical engineer in college for undergraduate and for graduate school. And when I graduated, I actually came to GE to work on LEDs. This was back before LEDs were really as common as they are for standard um, indoor lighting. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, can we really change the whole um, legacy of lighting? And that was really really GE's big legacy was one of our first big consumer products was lighting. Right. Am I going to go to the to the um, home and the birthplace of our major lighting capability and then turn it upside down? And I was so excited to be a part of that. And my first job in the company was around um, really developing LED technology. So then my next step was, you know, LEDs, you give the semiconductor some electricity and it gives you light. The next step was what if you give something light and it gives you electricity mm. so then moved over to solar so it was a pretty technically it was a pretty logical move um operationally though it was a whole different industry i had a lot to learn about the energy sector i took a lot of different roles over the 19 years i've been in the company um mostly in technology a um, little bit in renewables and about a year ago i moved after moving around a little bit within the company i moved from a role at the research center in new york to role, my current role as the CTO for renewable energy. And it has just been awesome. <laughs> I mean, renewable energy has always been a passion of mine from my early days in solar. Um, we're obviously a much bigger, more established wind presence in renewables than we are in solar. And with Alstom and GE coming together, we have an offshore business and a hydro business. We just bought a, a wind blade manufacturer. There's so many exciting challenges that we're up against, and I think we've got some pretty cool tricks up our sleeve to address those challenges and to continue to reduce cost. And I would say the biggest thing that everybody in the renewable sector is, is addressing is how do you make these better and better, whatever product or service you're talking about, while taking out cost at a range of anywhere from 8 to 10% a year, because the whole industry is maturing and Driven, it's really driving down the price of electricity, but that means the cost of our products has to also continue to go down. So it's it's fun. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it sounds like you kind of learn a lot as you go. It sounds like everybody has to learn a lot oh, as yeah. you go. But I mean, knowing though that so much is changing and that you you do have so much that you can take in, are there some specific things that you do on a regular basis just to keep your, your mind fresh and to keep learning? I mean, do you... Um, are there publications that you read regu regularly? Are there, you know, online courses that you take? I mean, what, what are the kinds of things that you do to develop yourself? Yeah. So this, the first online course I took in, well, I guess in the last five years or so, which is really well, the longest I've ever been seeing online courses, but the first and biggest one I took was the first week on the job, um, was a course, um, on Coursera about wind turbine technology. So I could just start to get really the basics. Yeah. And then since then, I've been talking to a lot of really smart people. We've got fantastic chief engineers and product leaders. I've been trying not to be afraid to ask what might feel like 
stupid questions because I think every question is going to lead to, you know, mm-hmm. a smarter, better capability. So I've tried to put myself out there and really digest and absorb as much as fast as possible. But then I have sometimes you have to ask the same question twice because context happens. But um, currently I'm reading a textbook on wind technology. Um, the most interesting technologies are things that are so new they're not in textbooks. In fact, there might only be a few people in the world that that appreciate some of the new things, and that's where I'm trying to make sure we're we're leaning into that cutting edge of what happens next. So it's not something I'll hear about at a at a conference. It's not something that I'll learn in a book. But I have to be able to sort out, you know, the new ideas and the proposed ideas that are coming in, um, leaning a lot on the the capability of our teams to digest and prioritize what we should invest in. But, you know, I think ultimately there's some good basic engineering chops that a leader would bring to this role that are necessary platform to build off of. You know, you really have to have some of the framework of how to make good decisions and how to um, how to make fast decisions, but then also assess them over time and be ready to pivot if you learn new things. That's I think it's probably one of the biggest learnings I've had in, in my leadership career within GE is you got to make decisions and you can't take too long. But you're also not wed to them. You gotta, you gotta make sure that they're right because things change over time. And what was a good decision six months ago might not be a good decision if you had to make it again. And you don't have to be locked into those decisions as the world changes around you. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I was trying to align these things is because as the industries change and not just in renewable energy, but for any of the roles that I think any of us have, there are impacts that are happening very quickly everywhere. And so the way that we learn definitely has to change to where you certainly come with your base knowledge but as stuff evolves it's more of that learning at the at the point of need and maybe you're not going to go and you know take a a four-year program for the next best thing but you're going to be kind of consuming all of those things as quickly as you can based on what do you need to make those decisions in this moment for 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 what you're working on now Mm -hmm. based on the information you have yeah and some things that help you learn are intuitive like um, you really have to test and validate your assumptions. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we do in engineering all the time. But then the corollary is sometimes you, you have to break things. You have to push yeah. things beyond what you think it's capable of so that you know truly what your design margins are. And you can take cost out and you can improve performance. I mean, some of these things feel, especially when you're talking about very big, expensive components or subsystems, you really don't want to break it, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of need to break it to learn about it and to understand the constraints. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you've talked a little bit about, you know, women in this space and we've talked about change. One of the pieces of work in, in a, a past interview that you did talked a little bit about behavioral design in change. What would you say about that as people do think about um whether it's thinking about getting more women in the space or just in general how we're working, what would you say kind of about thinking of, of things through that lens? Sure. And I would say just for context, the idea of behavioral design came up um, because it's a one really good way to change our processes rather than, you know, we're not going to always be able to change our, our brains and the biases that we might bring into something. It's great to take awareness training and it's important to understand where our biases come from, but we don't we can't wait around for us to engineer bias out of our brains, mm. but we can engineer it out of our processes. So in the idea of making the workplace a fairer, better, more merit merit based environment, you can you can do that and focus on your processes through behavioral design, changing the way you do things. I think you can also do that to engineer a more agile mindset. So if you're in a in an industry that's changing fast and 
you've got to be more, you've got to think on your feet and change your mind and learn new data all the time. You can engineer into your processes some checks and balances, some gut checks, some uh, reaching out and accessing people that you don't talk to very often. Build, you know, if you build in these little checks or these different ways to behave into your regular routine, and it can force you or remind you to build a more agile approach to your work. So I think behavioral design is a really cool way to think about um, change. And in a world of change, when everything is changing around us, our company is changing, our leadership is changing, you know, we have to have some consistency, but we also have to be ready for the change. And I think that might be a really good way for us to engineer it. So it's part of your normal way of work. Yeah. And I think you are setting a great example, just even what you said earlier about your, as you've had to transition maybe to some different areas, how you haven't been afraid to maybe ask questions that maybe you would self judge <laughs> as being <laughs> stupid. Um, because there was, a, I think, a, a prior interviewee we had where we were talking about how the higher up you go in an organization or the more important your role or what have you, the less accepted it is for you to not have the answers. But it's so important for you to continue improving that to continue to put yourself out there and, and let people know for the purpose of, of, of your understanding and your improvement that, hey, maybe this is something you need more information about. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's I think that's great and and definitely a, an example of yeah. that behavioral design shift. Well, one, th one thing I'd add just in compliment to what you just described, which I completely agree with is when a leader is asking questions and there's a lot of ways to ask questions. So when a leader is asking questions appropriately and learning, it also sends a great signal to the rest of the team that it's okay to ask questions Absolutely. and they don't have to pretend to know it either. And if they think they know it, then they're probably wrong and they've got to make sure they're always keeping up, you know, with every, all the change around us. Yeah. Great point. So in terms of renewables at GE, there there is a lot of change in the company. We've alluded to that earlier. Um, obviously, a lot of press about the changes going on in our portfolio. What keeps you doing renewables at GE? So it is a, an exciting industry. And I think that's a pretty, whenever you're in an exciting industry, there's a lot of mobility and there's a lot of opportunity. And I think the main reason why I love doing this at GE is because it's a huge platform for change. I mean, you mentioned in my introduction that this is a really broad, it's the broadest renewables portfolio of any renewables business, but it's also global and it's got reach. And if I want to be a part of changing the world, there's no better platform for me to stand on and do it than my work here at GE. I like that. And you know, I'll even – so I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in South Dakota. And so I, I still go back every once in a while and I – am in awe at I'll be driving down the highway and see these these trucks that have these big wind blades on them. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. It, yeah. And you can't I mean, you see them in pictures and things and you know that they're large. But when you see it right next to it and how big it really is, um, it really is amazing work. So I, I can completely understand that. So speaking of, I guess, uh, nostalgia and, and maybe uh, personal stuff, what do you do in your personal time? What are your hobbies? Uh, so I have three children, two 13-year-old um, girls, they're twins, and a 10-year-old boy. Oh, wow. And my husband also works in technology, so we talk a lot about the world around us, but we hike, we read, we play. Um, we just recently moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, so we're exploring our new home and making new friends. But, um, you know, we love spending time together, and as the kids get older and more into their teenage years, I think I will value it more because at some point they will not choose to spend time with their parents. <laughs> So I'm holding on while I can. Yeah. 
So uh, for all of our listeners, if you want to follow Danielle and what she's doing in this space, you can follow her on Twitter at DW Merfeld. I will put this in the show notes again with some of the other links. So you have that right there. Um, Also connecting with her on LinkedIn. She posts things there. Um, And Danielle, again, just thank you so much for your time. This has been a very interesting and very exciting conversation. So glad to have you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.